Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here once again by Chris Zarnick, who wasn't too afraid after what happened last time, wanted to join us again, and we wanted to have him. And it seems like it's been a long time, but the preseason has begun, and it began pretty well for the Green Bay Packers last Thursday night. Uh, maybe the game itself started out rough, but they were able to uh, correct and uh, have some of the backups rescue them. They won 24-9 to uh, over a Philadelphia Eagles team that a lot of people have as a sleeper in the NFC. We're going to get to all the action from Thursday's game, and we're also going to get to a what-if segment that was sent to us by David Fiorillo back in February, so we're finally going to get to that. But right before we started recording, Chris was about to lay a bombshell on me about his biggest problem with the game that he noticed, and I uh, made sure we started recording before he told me that, because I've been waiting... Uh, very anxiously since then because I got to hear what uh, your biggest impression was away from that game because it's been about four days now and clearly something stuck with you. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me back. I had a really good time the first time and, uh, you know, whether you get asked back, that's really an indicator of whether you uh, did okay. So so here's my problem and that is think about the play calling throughout the whole game. So we probably threw the ball 75 or 80 percent of the time mm-hmm. now if you think about that you're in the preseason mm-hmm. you have absolutely nothing to play for do you really have questions about your quarterback do you have to figure out whether he can throw the ball well no i don't probably think not. so yeah do you have a lot of questions about your wide receivers whether they can catch the ball no no not really do you have a ton of of trouble with your pass blocking like you really wonder whether that line can uh, can block no the only question that matters this preseason is what what is our running game? Can going we to run? Be? Yeah, exactly. Can we run the ball? And so I think sometimes, and listen, I love Coach Mike McCarthy. I really do, but I think he is so in love with the pass and so interested in being smart scheme wise with that um, that he forgets that mm-hmm. you know <laughs> we need balance, uh, need balance in our offense to make it go. And so if you think about it, we only had, you know, we didn't. Jamal Williams had 14 yards rushing. And uh, just looking at it now, he was the leading rusher, um, or tied for the leading rusher with uh, 14 yards, and uh, was the game-high four carries um, amongst the Packers. So think about that for a second. You have Ty Montgomery, who has just come from being a wide receiver, Mm -hmm. unproven, 70 carries last year, totally fine, but really uh, unproven. An offensive line that's retooled for – you know, for better run blocking, right? Mm-hmm. We know we can protect against the pass, and um, you know the new uh, the new right guard uh, is known for being able to move the people move people off the line for mm-hmm. running backs, and so you have some hope there. And your leading rusher has four carries. <laughs> you know, um, so so if the if the preseason is truly about did we fix what was broken in the last time I'm not sure what you learned mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if you learned anything about the offensive line I'm not sure if you learned anything about the running backs um, and so you know I l- love the team again mm-hmm. just like last time think they did an awful lot of good things but a- at some point you got to figure out if you're right you know, do, I, do you think this has something to do with their seeming paralysis in playing their regulars or playing their regular style ever since Jordy Nelson got hurt in 2015 they seem terrified of injury and what better way to get guys hurt than having them in a scrum pounding around and I know you need to assess that but you wonder if being the first preseason game that 
they're taking their already ultra-conservative approach to the extreme. Yeah, I hope that's not the case because remember that as, as confident as we are in the offensive line, you have three essentially three new starters from a year ago. You know, T.J. Lang is gone and Sitton's gone and J.C. Treader is gone. And so, you know, as much as we say we think they can pass block, I mean, that's an assumption, but mm-hmm. we don't really have our answer yet. Mm-hmm. And that f- uh, that first-string offensive line played a pretty long time. So if that was the theory, then you'd think that they would get them out after a series. And, you know, um, I, I just I really feel like that whole meshing, and, and, and for people who have never coached football, you need to know that, that, that running the ball is actually much, much more difficult than throwing the ball. Um, it, it's thing. The timing is so close, and and the positioning of bodies, and the the fulcrum points of of, of blocking, and and you know reading the gaps, and especially in a zone running scheme, where it's you know go down the line, and at some point plant your foot and and take one cut up the line or cut through the line, mm-hmm. and you know the whole slow to the hole, fast through the hole, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know we've been committed to the this running scheme. We talked a lot about mm-hmm. scheme last mm-hmm. time, but if this is our scheme and we haven't been able to run the ball really well for the last three or four years, mm-hmm. and now whether we're successful or not is based on whether we can run the ball sure. and we have a new offensive line and we have a new uh, set of running backs, all we proved is that the quarterback can hand off the ball. Sure. <laughs> That's really all we learned. Sure. So so if it's a learning system, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure we learned anything. Yeah, and and I would agree. And I, I guess maybe from their mindset, you just wonder if it's game number one. They seem to be treating these preseason games almost like a burden more than an actual learning experience, especially at the top end of the roster. Right. I think they're just trying to get people through without anybody getting hurt. And maybe hopefully, games two and three will get some more um more of the starters, particularly Ty Montgomery, because I agree when he came out so fast. Um, I'm not out there practicing or playing in these preseason games, but it seems the Packers especially don't want to play any starters no matter what mm-hmm. ever since 2015. You see it with other teams. Like, the Cowboys haven't suited up Dak Prescott in either games. I'm like, he's a second-year player. Right, right, exactly. I think he can handle the load. Ty Montgomery, not only did he only play running back one year it's not like he got a heavy workload and the year before he missed it mostly injured right if you're terrified he's going to get hurt there then maybe maybe this football thing should be canceled yeah and we you know or, or maybe we just roll out our start in uh, in bubble wrap yeah you know and so, so make sure that nobody gets uh you know nobody gets a hangnail or or you know sprains their <laughs> or don't thumb. play him till november because it appears that we can't start fast anyway so you may as well <laughs> rest him. <laughs> so i think your point about jordy nelson is very real mm-hmm. um but if listen, if you really believe you're a Super Bowl caliber contender, you can't wait until October yeah. to figure out whether you can run the ball. You just can't mm-hmm. because the, way too late to uh, make that adjustment. What are you going to wait until your bye week to make that those uh, adjustments? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, remember, if, if your number one goal is protecting Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. the very best way you can protect Aaron Rodgers is being able to run the ball mm-hmm. for two reasons. Number one, doesn't put him in harm's way. Yep. Right, hands off the ball, and he you know he walks away from uh, from the running back while the running back goes. And second of all, if you can play action pass, mm-hmm. the the whole idea of play action pass is to is to get the uh, the, the linebackers to come up one step. That's mm-hmm. all we were looking for mm-hmm. is that hesitation and come up one step. Well, if they're doing that, then they're not shooting the gaps and blitzing in the A-gap. Yeah. 
And so, you know, the threat of the run stops a lot of blitzing because you can really, you can trap block uh, and really gash some blitzing defenses. So there's a lot to be gained here from from seeing it. And so many unknowns, Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine what else you would really, I mean, yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. And, and especially now with the new CBA and whatnot, there is really no other opportunity to practice running the football. Exactly. You cannot do it in practice. And last year we started the season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The prior year we started with the Chicago bears this year. You're starting out the gate with the Seattle Seahawks. You're not going to spread them out four wide and throw all over them. I mean, they were successful last year doing that. It was late in the season and Russell Wilson had one of the worst games of his career I don't know if 38-10 is going to happen again by just spreading everybody out and trying to throw the ball like a like a madman. You're probably going to need to run the football, and to your point, you're wasting valuable time because, gosh, I, I don't even know if they're putting on pads between the two preseason games. And and that's not that's not a criticism uh, of trying to say the wussification of the NFL like people like to talk about. It's just the nature of what it is. But where else are you going to practice the running game? Exactly right. So, so it would be bad to be at halftime – of the game, first game against Seattle, and go. I don't think we can run the ball. What can we? What should we do? Because we again, we've been down this path before. Yeah. Right. We can't run the ball, and and now we have to throw all the time. Well, that puts Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it makes for great headlines and sure. great statistics, but that getting you know getting pass rushed that many times puts him at risk that many more times. So I, mm-hmm. it's confusing to me. Again, Mike McCarthy is forty-seven times the coach <laughs> I ever was, and I'm sure that there are ideas to it. But but again, we you know this whole idea of being infatuated with the pass, mm-hmm. um, it, it seems to be a common theme. Well, hopefully, it's just that it's the first preseason game, and I'm I'm saying this somewhat tongue in cheek, but. There's a chance that we just thought more about strategy in that game than they did hmm. when it comes to a play calling standpoint. Okay. I mean, perhaps they're just trying to try a few things, test out a few guys, and I'm hoping that happens and we see a little bit more on Saturday because otherwise, uh, when are you going to find out? What are you going to wait till you're down at halftime to the Seattle Seahawks before you find out whether or not you can push the pile? And you've got you've got big decisions to make here in three weeks. I mean, you've got three drafted. Running backs, all right. So Ted Thompson doesn't really like to cut his run the anyone that he drafts. Um, you, you know, the question is, do you keep three halfbacks, mm-hmm. right? So there's some conversation about do you keep two fullbacks, and I think that would be that's a leap. But we have two very very good fullbacks on the squ- squad. But there is a question about do you keep three? Do you do you keep two halfbacks? Do you keep three? Do you keep four? Um, you can't make that decision unless you can see how people can play. And, and each of them, in their own right, mm-hmm. in the very few carries they had, there, there was something spicy there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Williams was exactly, you know, he had a great quote. I love this. He had a great quote. He said, the way I get rid of my nerves is by my very first carry, I just bury the, the, <laughs> the dome of my helmet in somebody's chest, and then all the worries go away. And so that, that's the guy you want running the ball. <laughs> Sounds like a quote from, like, a 30s player. Like, Bronco Nagurski <laughs> could have said that. Um Let's shift a little bit. Obviously, there's some concerns about the running game, but uh, the offense as a whole, I think everyone's still very confident that they're going to be an effective force offensively um, just with that passing game. Maybe it'll take a while. But the big thing that everybody's concerned about every year in Green Bay is how is that defense going to hold up? And I try not to overreact too much to one series and one preseason game, but Demarius Randall gets hurt, granted on a pretty dirty play, I would say. Clay Matthews misses a sack. Kevin King gets turned around. Quentin Rollins gets thrown down like he doesn't have a skeleton. And the Eagles score a touchdown, convert, I think, on a fourth down and two third downs. that's right. It was exactly 
what we had seen in Atlanta as if they had never had an offseason. They just continued on. It's one series, but gosh, what a nightmare of a series it was for that first-team defense. Yeah, it was very hard to uh, imagine. And, and they were so close to getting off the field on a number of occasions. And when they got them into those third down, uh, and not necessarily long, but you know, third and five, third and six, um, you really went, okay, like this looks different than last year. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then every completion was on exactly the kind of route. It's like somebody watched the Atlanta game and said, let's do that. Yeah. And then um, let's see if we can get our first downs. And, and, and the play that you're talking about, you know, we talked last week about Clay not being the guy um, that he was. I, imagine, you know, four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Clay doesn't miss that tackle. Yeah. You know, he's, he, it's, it's, you know, when you're a superstar, you, you sometimes feel like you just can throw your helmet out on the field and everyone's mm-hmm. going to lay down for you and you don't have to make the tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, King didn't bother me that much. If you, if you watch the route, I couldn't tell if he thought we were in, in zone because at the top of that route, it was a it was a deep breaking in route and he was playing it was like a zone. And then when yep. nobody else picked him up, he kind of he was trailing that. Uh, the stiff arm to our last defender was disappointing. Yeah, uh, for sure. That looked like um, that looked like Raggedy Ann <laughs> trying to make the tackle. So, you know, we're not that far away, but we keep saying that we're yeah, not that far yeah. away. We're all if we had just made that tackle, if we had just you know had that interception. And um, again, it's the preseason, yeah. so I gotcha. So, yeah. So, so if you're a starter, yeah, you just you know, uh, are you just saying, well, I just you know, I just kind of going to show up and do. A little bit, and that's why you're getting hurt. If that's the case. well, uh, my you know my fear is that again, you know, the Packers are a really good football team mm-hmm. and have been in the top echelon for a long time. And I will tell you, having served on a team that that has a reputation that comes in, you there are days when you show up mm-hmm. and you just say, you know, we're just a better team and we're going to win, and that's just not how games are won at all. Yeah. Um, so I saw a lot of good things. I mean, I saw mm-hmm. some really positive things with the defense. What do you think of Kevin King? Because we, we before we drift too far away from him, he he had kind of a rough first play, but this is his first game speed action in his NFL career, and he also laid into a few guys. He was right there on a lot of times. I mean, guys getting turned around happens to younger players. Honestly, I liked what I saw. He didn't look like he was out of place, like – Remember when like a Mod Carroll would start, or when right. they would play with Jared Bush outside, and they just looked abysmal. Lost. And just... even King, when he lost the play, was close mm-hmm. and won a lot of plays too. So, uh, what what did you think of him? Well, really, a, a really positive thing here. If you remember the podcast last week, we we asked the question, "When's the last time you saw a big hit by a Packer fan?" <laughs> Well, the answer now is in the first preseason game against Philadelphia. Yeah, there were three really. I mean, really, really hard hits that, that you you know, if that was the Seattle or mm-hmm. if that was Pittsburgh, you would have gone, you know, that's Seattle football. And two of them were made by, by King. And I think Jones was the other, and it was on back-to-back plays. Right, right. Yeah. And, then we got, and, then, and then King is making a, if I'm not mistaken, King's making a tackle while the linebacker comes in and hits and just racks the, uh, the receiver and the ball comes out and it gets recovered by the Packers. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are four really big hits. That uh, and and most of them came by young guys. Yeah. See, that's the I don't know if it's a recklessness or I don't know if they just don't know any better or they're all Something trying to, to make prove. an impression. 
Um, but I, you know, it was, it was a different Packer team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, if it's attitude, that's going to get them to the next level, which I think, you know, everybody's skilled, everybody's talented, everybody's a great athlete. It's either scheme or attitude. Yeah. Um, and so I was really excited. Like, like, you know, I was watching it with my son and I just, I like jumped out of my chair. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can talk about this on the podcast. You know, <laughs> that was a really big hit. Yeah. I, I was really excited for, for both of those things. And, um, Kevin King, I think, played great, but then I'm hoping Clay is just walking through the motions because I was so excited about Kevin King until Saturday when T.J. Watt looked like he was playing with middle school kids and beating blockers one-on-one, keeping contained, still making the tackle. I think Kevin King's going to be a nice player, but if he's not at least as good as Tremont Williams at his best, I feel like we got the raw end of that deal. Yeah, I, I, if you, if anyone uh, goes online and looks at um, T.J. Watt, he had two sacks, mm-hmm. two sacks in the first uh, preseason game, in first quarter, I think, of the preseason yeah. game. Now, one of them was a missed assignment, and so that's you know that's okay. One of them, he just plain beat him. I'm just just made him look bad. And uh, what I read today on on one of the Pittsburgh blogs, funny you should mention it, is uh, James Harrison, yep. 30, right, 39 years old, but one of the greatest linebackers. He's already he's already TJ Watt has already moved ahead of him. Jeez. In the lineup, right? Oh. So he's now a backup um, as one of the greatest linebackers in Pittsburgh history, certainly. So, but, but I, I got to tell you, just just keep in mind that if, if you're worried here at all, go back and look at the combine mm-hmm. and go look at go look at the highlights at Wisconsin. Their measurables are almost identical: height, weight. You're talking Vince Beagle, right? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Vince Beagle's. Uh, they're they're almost the same person, like twin sons of different mothers, <laughs> um, and and the, the the speed, the vertical, um, the number of times they lifted two twenty five. Um, so so don't you know? Yeah. Don't don't hit the panic button just yet. Yeah. Um, so the, the the positive way to look at that is maybe we got one of those too. <laughs> sure. Sure. But um, yeah, T J Watt. Um, showed that some of the hype was was definitely earned. So I think we're getting caught up a little bit in this being the first real weekend of football where everybody's playing. I'm like, oh my god, T.J. Watt's in the Hall of Fame. We screwed up. <laughs> You're like, the running game's going to be terrible. What are we going to do? And maybe we both need to take a deep breath and be like, we saw some glimpses. There were some good things. There were still some concerns that have not yet been addressed. But we got three more preseason games to hopefully see a few more signs before they count. Yeah, we're all, we're all armchair <laughs> coaches, and we immediately rush to – you know, we don't talk about the, the great throw that Hunley made to Jeff Janis. We don't mm-hmm. – we, we hopefully will talk about the great routes that Jeff Janis ran and mm-hmm. you know, some really good things. I think it's just like getting your review at your job. Like we focus <laughs> five minutes on the good things and the rest of the time on things that aren't good. I, um, what I just want – I think what Packer fans want for sure is because we're all closet coaches, we want, we want the coaches to see – Everything that we see and talk about at the water cooler, sure. And if and when they see it and address it, like like when they drafted people that fit the holes, and when Jahari Evans came over and and filled in for um, uh, T.J. Lang, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when we see that, we feel confident and, yep. and, and we feel part of the team too. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Mike McCarthy's talking to his guys and saying uh, Spriggs' footwork was positive, <laughs> you know, so they're probably not even caring about any of the stuff. We're <laughs> Well, one positive that what definitely came out of the game was Trevor Davis had an electrifying punt return, um, had some great blocking as well, but kind of 
for the first time able to show that breakaway speed that we've heard about so much. The first time we really got to see it in a game. And I think one of the things that certainly I've taken for granted, but all Packer fans have, is when we lost Micah Hyde, you lost that nice hybrid player, but he was a heck of a punt returner. Yeah, very much so. And hopefully Trevor Davis now can seize that opportunity because that one flash looked pretty darn good. We uh, Again, interesting thing for our listeners, if you go back and, and take a look at the last kickoff return we had for a touchdown, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, now Micah Hyde has had some, some uh, punt refer- returns for a touchdown. Here's what impressed me about Trevor Davis. So first of all, uh, if you remember, the, the special teams coach talked about Trevor Davis uh, practiced catching punts, filmed mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and sent it to um, – Zook. Ron right. Zook. Yep. Yeah, Ron Zook. Bad Florida and, coach. That's all I think of every time. <laughs> from TV. Illinois as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and so, and so that he wants the job. So that to want to do is as important as can do. The second thing is that he was legitimately the fastest guy in the field. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you said that about a Packer? Was legitimately yeah. the fastest guy in the field. Yeah. And the last thing, which, which again, I, I really encourage you guys to go back and look at the return. Forget about um, forget about his speed. Watch him read the blocks. Yeah. So that's a really good punt returner has to a make the first guy miss. Which I still don't understand why they don't double both gunners. I mean, just did <laughs> yeah. you see that? The, if you yeah. look at it, they doubled one gunner. That guy didn't go five yeah. yards, and the other guy was right on top of him yeah. and had to make. It. So I still don't get that. Yeah, um, we'll have to have you explain that on here sometime because uh, uh, I don't. We didn't talk about that last week, but uh, Chris is. I think you actually did this for the force. Oh, absolutely. You, yeah, absolutely. You doubled the gunners because nobody else on the field is really going to be in the athletic caliber to be able to stop the punt return. Right. right. So, so really quickly, what we did when I was uh, doing special teams there, we doubled the gunners. Um, because if you think about it, who who makes the play, mm-hmm. right? Who can release? So the only people who can replete, re, uh, release are really the center and the, the two the two gunners. And so we would take and double both guys because my theory is you're not going to block the punt. Like everyone gets excited about yeah. blocking the punt, and when a punt gets blocked, it plays on Sports Center. But if you really think about the the percentage of punts that get blocked in the NFL in any given year, mm-hmm. it might be two percent, maybe which means 98% of yeah. the time you should worry about the yeah. return. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the 98%. <laughs> and so double the gunners, and then we would take uh, one of the rushers, instead of rushing, we would have them immediately drop back 20 yards and just block the first person coming down the field. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to pick up a lot of people because there's only you know there's going to be the center and there's going to be one other guy. And if you have neither gunner coming down and you don't have the center coming down, well, very often we had 10 yards. Uh, our return had 10 yards. with no. And if you really think about it, that's not brilliant scheme. It's just... Yeah. Who's coming down and making the play? All right, let's block them. And if you get 10 yards, that'll put you in the top 10 in average punt return. Yeah, in the NFL. I think that's true. So, so, uh, so, so back to Trevor Davis, if you look at the punt return, the rule of, uh, for any running back, for any wide receiver, for any returner is, um, I want to say this in a way that's respectful. Sure. Uh, you take a look at the, the back side yeah, 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 yeah. of your blocker, and you go – off of that backside. Gotcha. So whatever whatever way their their rear end turns, you go that way. Gotcha. So if you think about it, if if I'm turning my my rusher to the left, I go off to the mm-hmm. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, so you don't really have to watch the block at all. All you have to do is look at the the backside of the blocker and go off the back of that backside and you have a a a, a wall mm-hmm. there. Well, Trevor Davis did a great job of that. Now the blocking was fantastic. Yep. Jeff Janis showed why he's uh, you know, a phenom on special mm-hmm. teams. His blocking was amazing. I can't believe they didn't call a clip on yeah. the first yeah. guy coming down. Uh, may have gotten a break there. Home team. Uh, it could be. <laughs> 
but um and then the last thing is when um the blocker was it gunter it could have been gunter but gunter had a choice between going after the punter in front of him or or laying back and there was a starting uh starting cornerback that was coming down and he made a really great choice and he stopped turned back and stopped the guy who was going to catch him from behind so a mm-hmm. um, lot of good things happening and again the scheme yep yep right scheme really good and people doing what they're supposed to do yeah so hopefully that is just a glimpse of things to come because it would really be nice to get something out of the special teams they haven't had um Micah Hyde's been really good but he had a couple of punt return touchdowns he was a solid hand mm-hmm. back there I think he was a really good punt returner but maybe Trevor Davis can become one of those upper echelon super dangerous guys that affects field position by just being on the field we got to the point where it was like well he didn't fumble yeah you know it was it was a successful punt return if they actually caught the ball or or let it go out of bounds and we didn't fumble it which which is a pretty low standard to go by so yeah. so so again pay attention to the fact that he really wants to do it mm-hmm. he he realizes that with the depth at the wide receiver his his chance of making the team i mean remember he had yeah. almost no effect last year yeah even as a you know uh, a draft choice his ability to make the team is going to be based on special teams. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we desperately need somebody there. He wants to do it. You know, God love him. Let's go. Let him Let him have a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who else really stood out in the preseason to you? Uh, or in the preseason, it's one game over. But um, <laughs> any other thing, you can take it either positive or negative, that really stuck with you uh, that we haven't yet talked about? Well, we, we, you alluded to Josh Jones a little bit. Josh yeah. Jones appears to be who he is. Now he's going to make he's going to he, he does everything a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. So if he makes a mistake, he's going to do it a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> um, but you saw him be absolutely fearless and and make plays from kind of that you know middle yard marker, make plays on the outside a lot. And and uh, he looked fast enough to cover receivers, just like we hoped. He looked fast enough to cover running backs. Um, I really like that. And, um, and you know, one person we haven't really talked about almost at all in training camp is, is D'Angelo Yancey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this fifth-round pick um, out of Purdue, who, whose only real highlights all came against Wisconsin. <laughs> um, you know, he, great defense. We but... talked about last time that he's kind of a reincarnation of James Jones, but, but he'd been pretty silent. Yeah. Uh, nobody was talking about him very much. Everyone was talking about Malachi Dupree. And all of a sudden, Yancey looks like a receiver who can who can block out somebody who can you know essentially uh, block out somebody and 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 catch the ball. Really mm-hmm. focused and made tough catches, and it just looked bigger and stronger than the people he was playing against. So, and they really need someone like that. And Devontae Adams kind of was becoming that guy, and hopefully he can continue on that track. Packers have had tons of great receivers in recent years, but they've really lacked since. I don't know, Javon Walker, with all due respect to, to Jordy Nelson, mm-hmm. a guy that you could confidently think was going to come up with a jump ball most of the time. Right, right. right. Um, a, a lot of guys that can get open. I mean, Greg Jennings could get open against anybody, James Jones, same way. But if you could stay with them, they weren't going to catch the ball. And uh, maybe Yancey can develop into someone like that, and Adams continue to be that guy. Well, if you think about a cross between a wide receiver – and a tight end, right? But they both, one of them is fast and one of them is strong, big mm-hmm. and strong. Yancey's a, a middle guy between those two. So he can, you know, if you're, if you're a, a cornerback, if he can both run past you and run a 12-yard stop and, and kind of box you out. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do on a 12-yard stop is you run it and you turn mm-hmm. and you get, you know, your elbows, elbows really big out there, like, like getting positioned for a rebound. And 
if you can't decide whether he's going to go past you or stop, and if you if he stops, you have to go through him and interfere with him mm-hmm. to get the ball. That's pretty tough to cover. That's a really tough choice to make. So, um, pretty excited about that because you need that one receiver who on third and six gets you seven yards. And um, and just moves to the yard markers. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully uh, he can be that guy. Um, I didn't really have anything else besides positives or negatives uh, through the game. I get frustrated with injuries, but there's nothing you can really do about them. Great to hear that Malachi Dupree is okay. Uh, what did you think about those two hits? Because Mike McCarthy reported them to the NFL. He thought they were illegal hits. Um my opinion was the one on Demarius Randall should warrant a suspension. It was absolutely a crackback, and he aimed for his – I mean, that's a Brandon Merriweather job. Right, right, exactly. I thought the second one was a young player hustling over to try to hit Dupree. Maybe his head got a little bit too low, but he did kind of aim for the shoulder. Um, probably should have been flagged, but I, I felt like that one was a little bit more understandable. So the one with Malachi – I totally agree with what you're saying. Malachi Dupree – is uh, is stumbling. He mm-hmm. catches the ball and he starts to stumble. Which, if you think about the strike zone of the defender trying to make the tackle, right? Yep. So the, stri- the strike zone continues to shrink for all of our <laughs> defenders out there. Yeah. And um, and so uh, you know, if if he leads with his shoulder and he hits him in the chest or he hits him in the shoulder, all good. Yep. Right. The trouble with preseason and young players is that they have to make splash plays to make the team. Sure. And so you will absorb, I, I hate to say this, but I, I have to believe you'll absorb a $10,000 fine to, to make a team and make, you know, mm-hmm. a million and a half dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And, and how else do you get found? So, so do I think it's purposeful? The, the crackback, I mean, there's no way he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things that makes the highlight films, and I, I hope he gets a letter from the league <laughs> this week. The one with Malachi Dupree, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was purposeful. I didn't think it was vicious. Um, you know, he led with the, the crown of his helmet. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've ever played football, that's super mm-hmm. easy to do. When you're yep. about to make a collision, you have a tendency to put your head down, you yep. know, instead of sticking your face mask in there first, which is the, way, the correct way of tackling. But where in life do you say, oh, I'm about to collide with someone. I should lead with my face. Yeah, that, that, right. <laughs> so I never heard it quite that way, but that's exactly right. Um, so I, I think that one's more accidental. I don't think it's purposeful or vicious. I think they, I think they'll both should go to the league. But the crackback one is. Um, I know that that's one they've they've really cracked down on in the mm-hmm. last four or five years, and it's, it makes for a spectacular play, but incredibly dangerous mm-hmm. play. And it sounds like both guys are going to be okay. So that's the good news. Uh, so hopefully. Uh I would imagine they'll both be out on Saturday just to be safe, but hopefully they'll get a chance to play in that third preseason game. Uh, Randall could use the work, and Malachi Dupree, quite frankly, is going to need the opportunity to get a job. Right. You start getting scared, though, when you think about the number of players the Packers have had who have lost their career over neck neck injuries. Yeah. And um, those are the kind of hits that cause those kind of injuries. Um I'm just you, – you, you really – you know, the Packers are incredibly careful with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that, you know, a hit like that, either one of them, you can say you're good in two or three days, but I'm telling you, you – I mean, your head's on a swivel for sure at that point on. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, Malachi, he didn't do anything wrong. No, I mean, Neither of the players did anything wrong, but no. the end result was they got kind of destroyed and so that you start second-guessing yourself. And that's yeah. the half-step slow yeah. getting to the ball or making the play. And that's unfortunate because uh, that's an incredibly reasonable thing. I mean, these are already some of the bravest athletes in the world even being out there. And, you know, then we're going to – I'm sure in week one when uh, Doug Baldwin slips past uh, Demarius Randall, I'll forget all about that. But 
Um, <laughs> Such is the nature of what they do, I suppose. <laughs> I, I think the one thing you didn't hear a lot about was our safeties, which mm-hmm. is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Marwin Evans, by the way, mm-hmm. Marwin Evans, number 25, uh, not many people have heard about him, but the coaches rave about him. That interception he made, now he's single safety in the middle of the field, and he, um, you know, off to the defense's right, they throw a deep ball. And he has a chance. He has, he has three choices. Mm-hmm. He can just destroy the receiver, you know, legal hit, but destroy the receiver. He can knock the ball down. But he played it kind of like Willie Mays played that fly ball <laughs> in uh, in that amazing catch. Yep. And I think I think I was I don't know about you, but I was surprised he came away with the ball. Yeah, it didn't. Absolutely. It sure didn't look like he caught it. No. Um, but he really he focused on the ball, and and that's all that matters, yep. right? The t- you know the ball and then the tackle are all that matters. Um, but he sh- there. So here's what I came with. They're so much more athletic on defense. Sure. I mean, th- so that's I wouldn't say there's a player that stands out, mm-hmm. but their team speed, their team aggression, uh, and their athleticism, like it looked faster. Sure. Um, and so that that bodes well for us. Yeah, and uh, it's a lot of young guys, so there's probably going to be some growing pains with that. But I, I think you're right that that's something that's going to pay off not only later in the year, but for years to come is they needed to get more athletic. They needed to get a little bit nastier. And uh, we've at least seen one part of that equation. Yeah. Being overly aggressive, you know, you're going to win with that mm-hmm. 70% of the time. You're going to get beat with that 30% of the time, but 70% of the time, uh, you know, think of, so think of uh, Super Bowl um, in 2010, right? Jared yeah. Bush mm-hmm. blows his coverage, <laughs> yeah. right? And if you watch that, um, you know, Keith the Steelers' tight open, end was yeah. open by 15 yards, yeah. but he made a mistake, and he made it with unbelievable aggression, and he comes up with a really big interception. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's right to blow your assignment, but if you're going to do it, yeah. you know, don't blow your assignment and go timid. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Go, go 100 miles an hour. And I've had my fair share of eight-play, 80-yard drives. I wouldn't mind a two-play, 80-yard drive because then we can watch the offense. <laughs> so if 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 the maybe the turnovers go up, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, so let's talk about uh, Brett Good is back. Um, they've had enough of this experiment with the long snapper. I'm not sure why this was a problem to begin with. They used to do the same thing every year with Rob Davis. Right. And it's like, I don't even understand. This is not a cost thing. It's not a job that you would think would appreciably drop in one single offseason. Why are you tinkering with it? Right. And, and, and you know, you've already messed with the holder. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so Vogel, uh, Vogel, we should talk about Vogel, too, at some point, because the punter did a really fantastic mm-hmm. job as well. I don't think there's going to be any competition in camp. But but sure. regardless, you have a new holder and a new center. So of the three parts of the mechanics, you change two-thirds of it, and somehow you're surprised it doesn't go as well as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but again, I think this is what happens when people get really, really good and they start taking for, for granted the fact that we're going to be good no matter what. We just throw on our jersey and the, and the, and the field goals sail through the uprights. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was the Jets started sniffing around. Actually, um, Good made a, a visit to the Jets. Okay. And the Jets uh, were, you know, they were looking at him and they said, because I think what they do is smart business, but not really the nicest thing in the world, is they kind of hang Good out there and say, ah, we're going to go through the preseason. If it doesn't go well, we know you'll be available. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like the it's like the girl you date in high school. You think, well, you know, you know, if if nothing else works out, I'll ask her out. Well, when she, you know, when she gets a date, <laughs> then like, you go, wait a on? second, this plan isn't working very well. So I, I, I'm a big fan of only changing one variable, and they've already changed the holder. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think Hart was doing anything bad. I, you no. know, I, I don't think I, I didn't see any errant snaps. 
But um, listen, again, if you're a Super Bowl team, don't mess with what works. Just yeah. fix what, what doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely makes me feel a little bit better about the field goal situation. I wasn't all that worried to begin with, but uh, makes me feel a little bit better. I wanted to ask, because this is something that Matt and I used to talk about a lot, what is, are your thoughts about the difference in preseason now versus the past? And really, in the last three years, how little starters play league-wide. And I know that it's a violent game and uh, there's always injury concerns, but I remember being uh, a kid watching, and it's not that, I'm not that old, <laughs> watching the... Patriots in Parcells' second year play the Packers in, what, Holmgren's third year, and the Packers starters played three quarters, Mm -hmm. and the Patriots starters played the entire game, and nobody got hurt, nobody was afraid. It was, it's not that different of a game, and I guess what are your thoughts on perhaps why this is happening and whether or not uh, you agree with it? So, um, especially in good, you'll see it a lot in good football teams. When, when you're starting, people are set, mm-hmm. you know. So, so what's the value of Aaron Rodgers playing four quarters or eight quarters in the, in yeah. the you know, he, he's 30, what, 32 years old or 33 years old, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he'll be 34 in December. Yeah. Um, but I think it makes for really bad football. So, so think back to the, you know, the Packers playing the Jaguars. They end up pulling that game out at the very end. They're playing bad football. Most of, most of the game is bad football. Bad fundamentals, bad tackling, bad blocking. Can't run the ball, and all of that speaks directly to the fact that we don't, you know, we don't play live football anymore. Yeah. We we you know we scheme and we we play. You know, it's it's it, you go to practice and you watch them like they literally two hand touch. Yeah, because they can't hit anybody, uh, and when they do hit, because it's your own teammates, you only go to the. We used to call it going to the thump. Okay, right. So so it's. Uh, to the thump and the rap. So yep. what, that, whatever the big hit is, then you wrap your arms around. There's no malice in that. <laughs> no, none. <laughs> uh, and and but when you're doing that practice and you go to the thump and the rap, remember that the receiver and the running back stop struggling. Yeah. Right. They they go okay. You know because I don't want to get hurt, I give up. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've ever tried to tackle somebody. They're still trying to get away. Yeah. You know, Adrian yeah. Peterson is still trying to break away. And yeah. so if you haven't had that practice. It's um, like the difference in, to use a basketball analogy, it's the difference between rebounding in practice and rebounding in a game. Absolutely. In practice, you kind of see where the ball's going, whoever's closest, everybody eases off. In a game, it's a free-for-all. And that was when I, when I played basketball. That was the, the biggest thing that always struck me about the first game is everything else is the same, but it's a war under the boards. And I think there's tackling's the same way. Yeah, you'll, you'll find teams that are not so good play their starters a lot more. Um, because they don't have a lot of sure things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Green Bay, if you play, um, you know, if you play Ty Montgomery too much and he gets hurt, they'll be heck to pay. But, yeah. but if you, you know, if you're, um, if you're last year, if you're a Bears team, mm-hmm. you know, and one of your starters goes out, well, you know, to be honest with you, because you're not that good, the difference between your starter yeah. and the second string guy might not be that much. And you've got to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to sharpen the saw, and and that's what we've that's what we've stopped doing here: is yeah. sharpening the saw in the preseason. And so, essentially, what you're getting now are the first two two games of the year look <laughs> like preseason games. They're for the both third and now. fourth preseason game of the '90s. Right, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. so I'm still excited about um, the third preseason game. Is usually dress rehearsal, and mm-hmm. and people play a lot. But I would be, you know, I'd be shocked if Aaron Rodgers plays three quarters and, in, in the whole preseason. And I feel good about that as a Packer fan because you feel a little bit more confident that he's going to get to the season. Mm-hmm. 
But when was the last time you remember a guy getting injured in the fashion that Tom Brady did, where a guy falls in his leg? In recent years, your big injuries are Teddy Bridgewater and Ryan Tannehill just running their regular drills in camp. In camp, exactly right. This is not 1970 where all your injuries are broken legs and broken hands. It's torn ACLs and torn calves and and torn biceps that guys are doing just doing their drills. Which is interesting because you know, think back to Jordan Nelson. Uh, when somebody gets hurt when they're hit, we never worried that much because mm-hmm. because those things kind of heal, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you if you think about um, oh who went out um, with the ankle injury, um, oh. Barclay Barclay yeah, went yeah, out yeah, with yeah. ankle injury, we got rolled up on it, uh, right? And, and so we never worried about that because in general terms, unless you break a bone, it's it it's it's a it's a bruise and it's going to heal. It's the non-contact injuries that you're really worried about. And so if you remember when Jordy Nelson went down uh, on that play, I think Wisconsin collectively held their breath because when somebody goes down on their own, like, you know, like they've mm-hmm. been shot, mm-hmm. that that's a ligament cutting loose. That's an ACL going. And, um, and so, I, you know, I think you can be careful. Uh, and I think, you, you know, you have a known quantity. Uh, and it's, it's why I'm so excited about the, the rookies on defense. Yeah really lay in some wood because they haven't been doing it in camp. I'll guarantee yeah. you that, um, you know, they do it in camp and they, you know, they get pulled off the field. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's the nature of, you know, you have people who are making millions of dollars and, and, you know, the fans are all about, I'm going to watch the game if they have my, my players mm-hmm. that I know their names to, mm-hmm. but I don't think it makes for good football. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, I saw it right before we started recording. Um, Josh Jones was injured in, um, practice today they said he had ice on his ankle so i don't know much about it but mm. you don't ice a torn acl and you don't ice <laughs> right. so, a broken so, so, leg so you get rolled up on you twist <laughs> yeah. an ankle those kind of things those rookies man they're, they're having a rough go of it a lot of them are getting banged up and, and listen if i had you know if i was a specialist in uh, hamstrings i would come to green bay like yeah. if, if my if my if I was a doctor and I had a specialty in preventing hamstring injuries, yeah. I think I'd, you know, I think Clay Matthews would probably hire you as just full-time <laughs> I thought you were saying if you personally had a hamstring injury, I would go anywhere but Green Bay. Oh, no. They'd probably give you ice for it. That's what's, that's why the Packers keep getting hurt. Yeah. So, so you get, what you, what you have to do is um, these injuries happen because you're not properly stretched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not properly conditioned. Now I'm making a huge generality here, but but in general terms, if you've ever just jumped on the basketball court, right? You haven't played in five weeks. Mm-hmm. You jump on the basketball court, you are forever, you know, uh, hurt, hurting your hamstring or your quads hurt or you twist your knee. Um, but if you spend the first, I mean, it's you know, classic yeah, physical yeah. fitness stuff. You learned it when you were in in, in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, my my fear is that the non-contact injuries have really taken out a number of really outstanding players. And the injuries, like Teddy Bridgewater, that was horrific. There was a time when they were talking about whether he could keep his leg. Yeah, nobody touched him. Yeah, well, that's oh, that's I can't yeah. even think about yeah, that Bridgewater injury. It's so. Ugh. Well, let's do some rapid fire with the rest of the NFL because there was a lot going on. We already talked a little bit about T.J. Watt. Let's talk about those rookie quarterbacks because the big ones that everybody's been waiting to see, Mitch Trubisky of the Bears, Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, uh, Deshaun Watson, the hero of the national championship game for the Houston Texans, and Deshaun Kaiser all had flashes. Um, I don't know how much you saw of any of them, but uh, which were you most impressed with that you saw? Well, I read a lot about Trubisky, and I, I will tell you, and I mentioned last time uh, on the show that I was not, you know, he was not widely regarded as the best quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly there wasn't unanimous opinion. 
but their $45 million guy fell flat on his face, and Trubisky came in and, and played really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, mobile, uh, his his accuracy was good. I, it, there's actually some joy in uh, – there's joy in Mudville. There's joy in Chicago. It won't last long. Yeah. Uh, um, but but he looks like he can – you know, at, at least at that small period of time he can play. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Watson, you know, was was uh, you know really mobile. Which, mm-hmm. if you think about it, the last uh, the last quarterback for that team that was mobile, um, there had to be somebody on the expansion <laughs> team that uh, got a few reps. It, it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like like they've had statues back there for the most part, and um, they'll move them to running back by next week. <laughs> There you go. Um, I heard uh, uh, Deshaun Kaiser played well for uh, Cleveland. I didn't see any of the things. So I, did you get any yeah. chance to take a look at Deshaun those? Kaiser had, um, you know, that he's playing for the worst team out of them, and that's saying something in a list that includes the Bears. But he had two really nice deep balls in a tight pocket that was kind of collapsing on him. One was a, the game-winning touchdown. The other one set up a touchdown that put him ahead in the fourth quarter. So um, I thought he looked pretty good. I saw. I didn't see Deshaun Watson. I saw the other three. I was most impressed with uh, Trubisky. I yep. think he got a little bit more playing time than the rest. Um, Kaiser was kind of running for his life, but I was impressed that he could still throw the ball downfield under a barrage of pressure, right, right, right. which you see guys like Brady Quinn who could tear up college, and that's what did him in is he couldn't handle standing in the pocket that was collapsing around him. Uh, Trubisky made more different throws, um, but I would say one of those two were most impressive to me. Okay. All right. And and if you think where why what makes Aaron Rodgers great, he he, he stands in the pocket, but also his accuracy on the run is mm-hmm. mind-boggling. Yeah. It's it's and so that you know that's clearly the formula. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's got an offensive line good enough. Well, maybe Dallas did last year, but sure. where the quarterback can just stand back there. Um, you know, I'm not sure Dak Prescott got hit one time. If I, you know, <laughs> certainly not, like not by green and gold you know, uniform. <laughs> no, um, certainly not. Not so, unless he ran into them first. Yeah. So I, I, you know, there there isn't a. I don't think there's a transformational quarterback in that mix. Uh, but I think you'll find that there are some of the real the teams that are really desperate for quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I think Kaiser Kaiser really interesting leader too. Mm-hmm. Like like if you look at his background, um, he he really kind of put that program on his shoulders. Yeah. And um and and carried them a, a long way where they I'm not sure they really deserved to be as good as, yeah. as they were when he was there so um and when they were bad he was basically the only good player on the team yeah, yeah. kind of uh, but you didn't hear him complain about the other players yeah. and he didn't you know didn't throw people on the bus so you know mm-hmm. a new generation of of quarterbacks and um I think what you find is that uh, some you know some teams will invest the whole bank vault in mm-hmm. one guy. And other people say, you know, if you look at at where they got uh, um, uh, Sean uh, uh, Kaiser, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty reasonable bet there. Yeah. Uh, third round is that third or fourth? Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's a pretty good bet. And I'm not sure in this year's draft, at least, there was that much difference between them. Well, I'm hoping for the most success to come for either Watson or Mahomes. I, I mean, you're always rooting for the Browns a little bit. I cannot take another Houston Texans game with Savage or Schaub. (laughs) And the sooner Alex Smith is out of football, the better. He seems like a fantastic guy, but he is the originator of the three-yard pass on third and ten. I've had enough. And even if Mahomes is terrible, I'd rather watch his terrible than Alex Smith have a bunch of seven-minute drives that travel 60 yards and end in a missed field goal. Yeah, so, so the uh, the true West Coast offense, if you think about it, is is all about angles, and it's all about getting the player in space with the ball and letting mm-hmm. the player make the play. Well, 
that works if you have players who make the play. So <laughs> yeah. so he's playing within the system, mm-hmm. um, but he's been playing within that system a long time. Yeah. He hasn't really adapted to it. And he missed the part. Maybe he's only watching game tape of first and second down because he missed third down <laughs> when Favre and Montana and Rodgers and McNabb are thrown at 40 yards downfield. Yeah. Uh, I, I read an interesting thing, uh, read an interesting article, the new general manager of um, the Washington Redskins came from the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, drafting Alex Smith instead of um, instead of Rodgers just haunts him to this day. It's the <laughs> one pick that just, you know, you can run but you can't hide. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm 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 excited about. Uh, I just don't I don't see the player there yet. I don't see the quarterback there in that group mm-hmm. that really can transform a team. I, would I can agree. I can see functional system quarterbacks. I can see um, you know, uh, Watson, uh, Kaiser Kit will make some great plays with their with their legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a pretty famous, you know, Vince Young was a pretty famous guy yeah. in college too. Yeah. And if you can't throw from the run, li- listen, everybody's fast in the NFL. Yeah. Every so so being fast. Um, uh, who's that? Uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ran 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 a lot in the NFL, um, but throwing on the run. If, if think about when Rodgers is super dangerous. It's when he escapes the pocket, he rolls out left or right, and he's on the run, and he throws. I mean, you know, that dart he throws against Dallas mm-hmm. to Cook yeah. is a unbelievable throw if your feet are set underneath you. <laughs> yeah. And he makes that 37-yard throw, you know, on the move to his left, unbelievable. So I, if they can develop that skill, mm-hmm. they'll be special. If not, um, you know, they will be serviceable quarterbacks. So you're telling me that we have a new crop of mobile quarterbacks who can throw okay on the run and maybe suspect down the field. So now I have four Alex Smiths yeah, coming into the league uh, instead of one? So you can tell. So what's really fascinating about quarterback play is that you can tell, and, and the difference in most cases is pocket presence. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched Rodgers and just go, like, how did he know that guy was there? Yeah. How did he know... And I'm not sure I know the answer, but I'm yeah. not I'm not suggesting I know the answer. But that whole idea of that there's an internal clock in their head and they see a flash or they see, you know, where somebody's body angle is and they know when to roll out, they know when to step up. Because um, very few great quarterbacks, with the exception of Tom Brady, make the, the, the really important throws within two and a half seconds of getting the snap, mm-hmm. right? Most of those are, if you're going to make a big play, except if it's on a slant or some kind of whip route, uh, which isn't a big play yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, it's going to be pros, yeah. four to four and a half seconds into the play. Well, to do that, mm-hmm. you, you know, you need to be able to move at least in the pocket yeah. and then, you know, rolling out of the pocket is, and, and again, we're so spoiled. I, you know, we have got the, maybe the best guy who's ever done it. Yeah, and in defense of uh, uh, Tom Brady, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I could talk about quarterbacks for three days straight, but uh, I think Brady, every all these elite quarterbacks have something that they do better than anyone Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe with the exception of Marino there is no one who can be so elusive in a box than Tom Brady in the history of the NFL he doesn't get rushed a lot lately but even when they get to him it's a shoulder shake it's a step it's you know Marino when he had two bad knees and a torn Achilles would just swoop his arm over your head and you know kind of that kind of stuff and um so you don't have to be super mobile but you can't panic when it's all falling in on yeah you know if you've ever um I had a few opportunities to just, you know, play practice quarterback mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was coaching. And uh, the first time that you throw against a real rush, 
you get a whole new perspective over what these quarterbacks do. I mean, there is chaos going on all around you. There's 300-yard, 300-pound guys who are fighting each other, uh, you know, to try and rip your head off, and and you're supposed to focus on your third checkdown. Uh, so so it's a very it's a very special place to be, and um, and I think what happens is you'll see people um, they'll, they'll get a couple of big hits. And they'll start getting that twitch, right? They'll mm-hmm. they'll, they'll uh, like Alex Smith dumps it down like, all the time, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I, my first read isn't open. I go to my check down, see I did my job, and throw your hands up. I did my job, and that's what leads to you know three and outs and four yards on third and six. And, uh, <laughs> and Sam Bradford's whole career. And... <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll see it with the Vikings this year. I want... There we go. <laughs> I, I hope I would love another Sam Bradford in the division. So I hope that's how it ends. Well, you know, we what we didn't talk about was uh, when we were talking about this kind of these quarterbacks is our own Brett Hudley. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the questions that, that has come up is, uh, you know, how long do you hang on to him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, is Brent Hundley better than Deshaun Kaiser will be in three years? You know, so, so again, yeah. you know, he, mobile. Yeah. Right, right. The reason why you drafted him is because he's mobile. He's a really great athlete. I think he's been through two years of the quarterback school. Um, but he's going to be a free agent next mm-hmm. year. So what are your thoughts? What do you, what do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, he's a difficult one because he he led the NFL in touchdown passes, passer rating, yards in the 2015 preseason. Mm-hmm. I know it's preseason. He got a lot of action. But that's still impressive to be both efficient and a lot both of Both teams are sets. still being paid. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that I still need to see a little bit more from him. He seems like he's just going to be kind of that – nice sort of I'm trying to think of a good person to compare him to like dare I say someone like Charlie Batch Hmm. which can play in the league and if you put him on a really good team he can go nine and seven he can go ten and six he can step in and win a few games but I don't think he's going to be some kind of transcendent player I think any plans for him seriously replacing Aaron Rodgers I haven't bought into that yet. See, I'm not a fan of. Uh, so I'm I'm right there with you, and and I'm not a fan of trading him before we have to, because if we're again, if we really believe we're a Super Bowl team, what what's the one thing that can derail you? Well, big a big injury to Rodgers. Yeah. If Rodgers gets hurt and his season's over, you might as well write off the Super Bowl. Yeah, right? yeah, no, yeah. Brett Hundley's not going to come in and, and lead you through the Super Bowl. No. But if you think about that year where um, against the Bears, where Rodgers gets crushed, right, and he breaks a collarbone or breaks a, a clavicle, and he's out five or six weeks, and we go through that, um, all the quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the world who yeah. couldn't play for anybody <laughs> else and, and played for us, and finally, um, who came back? Uh, the guy who went to Seattle. Uh, Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn comes back to the rescue, right? And, um, <laughs> you know, you need a guy who can win, who can, in five games, can win three. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because in, in five weeks, if you think about the injuries that, that any of our listeners have had in their life, you know, a month, yeah, you can heal an awful lot in a month. But yeah. you can't go 0-4 in that month. <laughs> because yeah. 0-4, you know, not that many teams can go 0-4 and really make it. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not a fan of getting rid of them before you have to because, this, you know, we're, we're kind of targeting this year. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I am a big fan of trading them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, at least a third round, you'd hope for a second round. You're, you know, people talk about a first round. You're not going to get a first down Zero quarter, chance. You, you pick for yeah. um, you know, that kind of quarterback because you can get Deshaun Kaiser in the third or fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, listen, I think he can play. I think yeah. he can absolutely play. And, and if I were 
uh, I'd want Green Bay's backups every time. If sure. I was if if I was a new coach, I would go find somebody who's been through the quarterback school because if Mike McCarthy can do anything, mm-hmm. he can develop quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. So the the jury's still out in him, but I, I think he would be worth a flyer. I do want to correct something. I said that he reminds me of Charlie Batch, and one of my biggest pet peeves in the world is when people say, "Oh, Jordy Nelson, he reminds me of Fred Bolitnikoff or Mark Chimura <laughs> or Dave Casper. They're all the same." Wayne Krebet. <laughs> Um, so I will say Brett Hundley also reminds me of uh, Jim Harbaugh. Sure, uh, you sure. know, an elusive player, a stopgap, can be good on a great team, could be really bad for you on a bad team, just so we uh, don't get any of that uh, kind of lazy uh, comparison. Yeah, if, if if Packers have Hundley be- before his time, if he's the starting quarterback, you can you can make plans to go on vacation in early February because we're not you know we're not going to be not, there's not going to be any games you want to watch. No, absolutely. All right, let's get to the important stuff. We talked about XOs and winning and uh, the future. What did you think of the Rams and Lions new uniforms? So the Rams are wearing their old pants and the Roman Gabriel helmets, and then they're wearing the same old regular uniforms. And the Lions are trying to emulate the great Greg Landry years. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, other than trying to sell more. You know, right, right. What's mm-hmm. the wh- why do the uh, why do the Packers wear the throwback Powerball? <laughs> they call them the Powerball uh, uniforms. Well, yeah, I think it's mostly to sell. Yeah, uh, you know, to sell more uniforms. I used to love Roman Gabriel. I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know if it was the uniform. I don't know what it. I don't want. He was like six five or yeah. six six, and he just was like this. He was a mountain of a man, and he was a young guy. And in that in that Rams uniform with the you know with the horns on the helmet, I. You know, I, he, that's a guy who caught my attention when I was young. So they should have went all the way, though, with the the tops kind of ruining it. I, I don't, I don't understand that um, because you know you, you're selling. Uh, well, but, uh, so so here's what's interesting: you don't see teams that are really good doing that. No, you know, so so what do you have to do? You have to if your team's not good. My dad used to say, <laughs> if it don't go, you got to chrome it. <laughs> you know, if your car doesn't go fast, you got to put, put chrome on it. And I think that's what's happening is, you know, don't pay any attention to the players on the field. Yeah. But look, we have this new uniform for you. Um, not hope they didn't pay a ton for that advice <laughs> for, of what they actually chose. Um, because as a, you know, for example, I loved the uh, color rush uniforms the Packers had. I yeah. loved the white. I mm-hmm. really, I thought I was going to hate it. I really did. I thought yeah. it was going to be awful. I'm, it was, I'm there with I you. thought it was a really wonderful change, mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought it really added to the game. Um, and, and that, you know, color rush uniforms, some of them work and some of them don't. Sure. Uh, but this whole piecing together things from eras, you know, maybe it's that, um, you know, uh, people from 20 years ago will remember that top, and people from 10 years ago will remember those bottoms, and then the helmet is from some. I, I don't, I don't know. I, um, I, they it, look like a bad team. I, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's true. And, yeah. and and as a player, by the way, so so there's a reason why players want to wear black. There's a reason why players, uh, even at summer pro level, want to wear silver or silver and black, because there's. I mean, I'm telling you, there is power in mm-hmm. those colors. And if you think of the teams who have been pretty dominant, they mm-hmm. have very clear, pretty bold schemes. And I don't mean colorful schemes. Yeah. I mean those schemes, the, the color schemes make a statement. And, um, you know, the, the black and silver the, uh, mm-hmm. have a you know, black and gold for Pittsburgh, you yeah. know. Um, players love that mm-hmm. because it plays right into the machismo. It plays right into the ego. And 
Um, so anyway, yeah, I hope the marketing department got paid and, you know, somebody gets to go on vacation to Hawaii, but, um, I don't, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't, I, I wouldn't turn the channel to not see them, but I certainly wouldn't turn the channel to see them. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the lions ones were pretty slick. The Rams are just kind of weird. I don't know what they're trying to do that weird era thing. Um, your point about bad teams changing uniforms, I doubt we'll see the Patriots in a two-toned helmet. Anytime yeah. Not, soon. not anytime soon. You know, because even the Patriots, if you look at their their throwback uniforms and the throwback helmet, they look still lowly. super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they sort of look lowly. No, don't they? They, they do, but <laughs> yeah. it, like, there's just something about for a guy my age, mm-hmm. that Patriot center who's standing over the ball and mm-hmm. just he's kind of beefy and muscly. Um, that's that that image is very reminiscent of like like the 60s and 70s yep. like that's the kind now you have incredible athletes and yeah. you have the Jerry Rices who run like a gazelle and you have you know but 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 I grew up with Nitschke. I yeah, mean if you yeah. go in my closet there's a there's a Nitschke throwback jersey that my wife bought me that I just <laughs> you know I I, I press it and clean it sure, every sure. time I even go to look sure. at it um that's what football was and yeah. so I I think there are definitely throwbacks that work mm-hmm. and that can draw people in um it, but it's when you get this really creative kind of stuff I'm not sure that there are a lot of super creative people who are drawn to the the sound of three you know 600 pounds of people ramming into each other I don't think that's the kind of people you're trying to attract yeah it's it's possible but they might be drawn by the uh the type of revenue that they generate from producing that kind of stuff. So maybe that can draw some people in. Um, We did have a couple of uh, conversations on uh, the Facebook page uh, dealing with the Rams. And uh, Daniel Johnson, who's one of our great fans, was actually out in California. And he said in the stores he saw... Nothing for the Chargers. There seems to be almost no enthusiasm for the San Diego Chargers. They're playing in a major league soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Daniel, the Chargers were outdrew by the MLS the night before. Wow. And granted, it's a preseason game, but the Seattle Seahawks were coming to town. They've, they're have they a pretty marquee franchise right now in the NFL, and it looked weird seeing them play in a very small stadium and... Gosh, that's one. Uh, uh, Corey Ben, another one of our great fans, said he he really feels like this is going to be one that the NFL regrets, and eventually the Chargers will move back to San Diego in 20 years when somebody buys them. But uh, gosh, it seems like uh, this is another conversation that could go on forever. But it, it's another tinkering with uh, something that seems to be working. See, I think here's the difference. I think I think Los Angeles, the Rams going back to Los Angeles. People get that, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like LA Rams. You know, even, even uh, as much as St. Louis loved the Rams, and yeah. they did, they were a wonderful fan base. It always sounded weird to me. Oh, well, I like, hated it. You know, it <laughs> didn't make any sense to me. You know, so so LA Rams makes sense to me, but but LA Chargers seems like a betrayal. That, yeah. You know, I, I have visions of the the Browns moving out in the middle of the night and becoming the Ravens. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, my brother lived out in San Diego, and I spent I spent a significant time out there. And while they're not rabid like um like Packer fans. I will tell you that there is a there was a tremendous following mm-hmm. for the Chargers and and from people at very high levels. I mean you mm-hmm. had celebrities who mm-hmm. followed them, you had uh, a lot of people with money out there, rich people followed them. I mean it was an event. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely an event and not just because it was it was a place to be. It yeah. was a place to show up and it was kind of like a Laker game. Yeah. You know when yeah. you see Jack Nicholson on the sidelines or or Selma Hayek or yep. someone like that. That's what it was in San Diego. And and the people in San Diego have just said 
because it was a very difficult thing between the team and the city. And, yeah. And, the, you know, the, the team blames the city and the city blames the team and nobody knows what's true. And so I think the fans just throw up their hands and say, here, here we're, it's another money grab and, and you expect us to follow us wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I think we just, I just, I don't think we're going to do it. And it's such a weird thing too, because people, I think that the Chargers are trying to promote that. They're like, oh, they're returning to L.A. They played one season for them or, or one or two seasons for them in L.A. at the beginning of the AFL, mm-hmm. which is a long time ago now. It's like if the Brewers moved to Seattle because they played their one year in <laughs> the 1969 pilots, as the right. pilots. It's. I was trying to think of an analogy. Like imagine if the Packers – uh, and the reason why they're not popular in Los Angeles. Imagine if the Packers moved to St. Louis or said in three years they're moving to St. Louis and then the Lions moved to Green Bay. Yeah. It's like, oh, these losers who we beat on for years and now we're supposed to cheer for them? Get the hell out of here. We'd rather have nothing. Yeah, and I, th- I think fans are um, – listen, they'll follow you. And, and if you watch teams that have been good and bad, and we talked last uh, last week about Packer fans following a bad team for 30 years – but but a betrayal, and that's yeah. why I, I, I genuinely purposely use that term, is that um, when when fans feel betrayed, they're done. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland was livid mm-hmm. until the Cleveland Browns came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a Division Two college football <laughs> team, <laughs> but they basically had to immediately promise yes. that they were going to bring the Browns back with a timetable in order to not kill the town for f- pro football. Which is interesting because the theory is no matter where you move a pro football team, they'll sell out, right? That's the theory. Yeah. And because, you know, I, and there's a there's a part of me that thinks that they're just a little too big for their britches going, you know, everything we do, everything we do is going to turn into gold. And I, I think this one is not going to turn out well for them. Well, I, I guess I'm not sure what I want to happen. Part of me wants to see this blow up in the NFL's face. Uh, I feel bad for the Chargers, and I feel bad for guys like – I guess I don't feel bad for the Chargers. I feel bad for their players because it's nothing of their control. Right, right. But I kind of like that maybe San Diego will be the first uh, municipality to say, you know what, that's a raw deal for us. You can take them and go wherever. Well, that's the other thing is if you do any research on this, you'll see that the team really – you know, so so – they really asked a lot yeah. of the of the city, and even much more than anybody else had. So they, mm-hmm. you know, you can push and you can push and you can push and push. And at some point, there's a straw that keeps uh, that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, and it's just too much. And I I, I really think um, that uh, is the Spanos family. Is that the yep. is that the um, they really believed that there was no way C- uh, San Diego was going to let them go, and so that they could just you know print money yeah. essentially. And um, and when they said no. Right, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we'll if, play in a soccer stadium exactly, for years. and and so eventually, listen, I I'm a fan of sharing stadiums. Mm-hmm. I really am. Like that, some people hate it because you don't have your own stadium. But if you're in New York and yeah. the Jets play one week, and the uh, and the Giants play the next week, that makes a lot of sense. You have to build <laughs> one stadium, and two people use it, and everybody gets to go to games. And there's not a lot of place for football stadiums there, or <laughs> no, know? no, that's really true. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's funny, though, that it kind of shows my hypocrisy as a fan because I am so cheering for some of these municipalities to finally say, hey, listen, you're the golden goose. Pay your way a little bit. Right. But I'm so excited about that new Bucks arena. 
I, I really am glad. It's going to be state of the art. Like, both ways. Yeah. I don't care what those people in Milwaukee have to pay double the taxes. <laughs> it's going to be so nice. Hooray for me. <laughs> so let's transition now to a segment that we've been wanting to do for a long time, and that is another Packers What If. Now, back on February 19th, which is a long, long time ago, David Fiorillo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, put on the Facebook page, what would have happened if the Packers selected Ray Lewis in the 1996 NFL draft. And uh, David, I know it's been a long time coming. Thank you for your patience. Um, we're going to talk about, I think we might have touched upon this in the past when we're talking about some of those uh, 96 Super Bowl 32 type stuff, but uh, definitely not full in depth. And uh, this is a great, great topic. So I'm glad you uh, pitched it. I'm glad we finally get a chance to talk about it. And let's dive in. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if... So that signifies the beginning of Packers What If, and if you're unfamiliar with this segment, what happens is we take a question such as what David asked us, and we lay out the scenario that led to this question, but then also we debate about what the ramifications would have been if this in history had been changed. So obviously there's a lot of different directions you can go. With this one, Ray Lewis was selected with the 27th pick in the 1996 draft. As rumor would have it, according to an NFL.com article a few years ago, the Packers actually had Ray Lewis written on their card waiting for pick number 28 to occur. What happened instead is Ozzie Newsom and the Baltimore Ravens selected Ray Lewis right in front of them. So the Packers had to scramble, and they selected tackle out of USC John Michaels, who was the 28th pick. He did not appear in that many games for the Packers. Everything I've heard is that he's a great guy, but he wasn't necessarily a great tackle. He was so good that they used their first-round choice the next year on his replacement, Ross Verba. So they didn't get anything in return. They missed out on Ray Lewis. Uh, Ray Lewis, of course, one of the more famous players of his generation. In 17 years with the Ravens, went to 13 Pro Bowls, 17, uh, seven first-team All-Pros. He's top five in interceptions for an inside linebacker. He's only behind Brian Urlacher and Carlos Dansby for passes defense. He's top 20 in sacks among inside linebacker so he obviously if you're listening to this show you know he was the real deal so with that scenario um chris do you want to go first i know this is your first what if or do you want me to go first well i want to set the stage a little bit so so if you remember uh, uh during this draft um you know the Packers made the mistake. There's a really cool article. It's it's on NFL.com, but it's also a Sports Illustrated article. And and Ron Wolf goes into great detail to tell this whole story. So if you want more background information, um, you know you can look that up online. Mm-hmm. But I think during that time, you know, we had there was some feeling like we needed to get a, a tougher defense. Mm-hmm. And and this would have been an amazing move for them mm-hmm. because if you think about it, there there were some tough players. There was mm-hmm. Reggie White and uh, Wayne Simmons mm-hmm. was a pretty bad man. Um, but they weren't Dallas, and that's the team that they were comparing themselves yeah, against. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And so, uh, but they made the mistake of of kind of honing in on one player, thinking that nobody else would take him, and and 
as the story is told, that they really didn't have a great backup plan. Now, <laughs> again, I think it's 20 years later, and I, I don't think people get caught in that uh, that um, you know that problem today. But uh, they really didn't have a clue what to do. I mean, they were really genuinely stunned, um, and so it was a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a they didn't have really a tackle at that spot, and um, and and so this is a really interesting scenario. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested uh, in your idea because. Uh, in some ways, um, in my mind, it's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, go ahead if you if you want to talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts about that that pick. So, starting off, I think the nineteen ninety six season is completely unchanged. They had the number one defense anyways that year. I think Ray Lewis probably plays significantly. They liked George Kuntz, and they liked some of those guys. It would be interesting him and Wayne Simmons on the field at the same time, especially a young Ray Lewis. To me, the biggest question is, I think that defense those two years was still really good. I think they're just as good, probably better with Ray Lewis, and maybe we'll talk about 97 if he can help him slow down Terrell Davis. But as far as a character thing, you wonder how Ray Lewis reacts to playing with Reggie White. He's not going to be the leader on that team with Reggie White and with Leroy Butler and with Sean Jones. And he is not the strongest personality necessarily on that team, at least initially. And you wonder how that changes him if he's playing with Reggie or if he's playing with Leroy Butler. And I think initially I thought maybe that would clash, but I think him and Reggie might have been an interesting dynamic. Um, I don't know how necessarily Leroy Butler fits into that. Well, in my mind, so if you think of, of um, Reggie, uh, I think of the term, uh, you know, quiet violence, yeah. essentially. So, so good guy, man of, man of the cloth, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, and then when the whistle blows, you know, becomes this bad man. And my, my thought here is that I don't think Reggie allows him to become the crazed, wild man you know, because you remember, like Sean Jones retires, yeah, right. So you've got a, you've got a, you've got a hole there. Um, you, you lose some people at the end of that year who are, are veterans that can hold them in that uh, that can hold them in line, and um, and so you you wonder because when he goes to the Ravens, mm-hmm. he's surrounded by a cast of characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Ed Reed and Saragusa, and he's the first one there. So his personality sets the tone sets the tone to them rather than the reverse. I, I think that's true. I mean, Terrell Suggs and and um, you, you, you know you have to have a team that wants to have uh, somebody like that on there. And, and as we've talked about in the past, for many, many years, the Packers have had kind of this polite defense, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, if we hurt you, we'll apologize and help you up. And, and I think Ron Wolf saw that he, he needed to change that attitude. Here's my, here's my question. I think he comes, I think he plays. I think he's a really good player. I, I think they potentially, uh, especially if he's the right inside Linebacker for the Packers. I think Terrell Davis does not have yeah. the same game. They beat Denver, uh, right? I, th- I think they- that's absolutely true. If if Ray Lewis is even close to what he was in Baltimore by year two, they beat the Broncos. Yeah, a, a lot of people don't know this. A little bit of a sidebar: the reason why Denver ran so well is that uh, I read an article again. I think it's Sports Illustrated that. Um, Denver looked at the Packers' defense, and they saw that Leroy Butler was making something like 25% of all the tackles uh, when people ran to the left. And so they did a really rare thing, which is they assigned a blocker to a safety every single play. So Mm -hmm. so if you go back and watch that Super Bowl when he runs left, and you'll notice Mm -hmm. he virtually is always running left, um, he – 
That sounds like the kind of game plan, by the way, sidebar, that if you have to do that for a safety, put the dude in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, so, so you'll notice that if you watch that game, you know, you'll watch Terrell Davis turn the corner, and you're just waiting for the safety to come make the play. If you've watched football mm-hmm. a long time, you kind of see how, how runs go to the sideline and the safety comes up and pushes them out or whatever. And all of a sudden, there's nobody there. Yeah. Like, there's literally nobody there. And it's it was very odd to watch the game. And I didn't understand it till later. Um, but now you put Ray Lewis on that side. <laughs> and, and they can commit, you know, they can commit as many people as they want to Leroy Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ray Lewis is going to stop him before he ever gets to the corner. So I, I think it, if you think about the fact that Terrell Davis running left essentially won that Super Bowl. Yeah. Some ridiculous amount of yardage on that on that side of the field. Uh, I, I think they win that Super Bowl. Absolutely. And we're going to go further down Ray Lewis's career, but that's where what if becomes so much fun is because the butterfly effect, if the Packers win two Super Bowls in a row, does that incentivize Holmgren to either stay or leave earlier? Because Seattle was trying to get him and Ron Wolf after Super Bowl 32. Yeah. And Wolf said, no, thank you. I want to stay in Green Bay. My kids, I want them to get through high school in Green Bay. Mike Holmgren's like, eh, not yet. I think that probably doesn't change if they win the Super Bowl. Um, I think if you have Ray Lewis on the team in 98, which you still would, I think what back then they still probably had what three or four year rookie yeah, I think, contracts. I think you have a, uh, five year maybe. Right. So, so I think it's a, it's a four year and then there might be a, there's either a team or a player option, I think. So I think in 1998, even with Ray Lewis on the team, you still have Tyrone Williams and a injured Craig Newsom potentially covering Randy Moss. So that team is still going to be about what they were. I, I think that I think that's true, um, because because Ray Lewis again. So so Ray Lewis works if you have other threats to the quarterback. Yeah. He works if you have to block Terrell Suggs. If you have to watch Reed come off the edge, um, you know if if you have uh, 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 Halati no, yeah. uh, not a. Uh, Reggie White would have been nada, nada is what you're saying. Right, Um, and it's nada, nada. Right, so but just like Denver, if you're the Packers defense, and all you have to do is account for Reggie White and um, and Ray Lewis, you can do that. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely do that. Um, And so I I think he makes them better. But you you know you you think about a lot of the older players who had attitude that left, you know, Simmons and and all of a sudden now you've got. Uh, Ray Lewis on a team with people who are, you know, they just don't have that same. I don't know what the right word is. Anger, something yeah, like yeah. that. that switch the intensity turn on and off. And my concern is that uh, I don't think the Packers get tired of him. I think he gets tired of the Packers. Yeah. I think after his initial rookie contract, Ray Lewis um, decides not. And it wouldn't even have been a money thing, I don't think. Although I don't think the Packers play middle linebackers the, the way that other people play middle no, linebackers. But they've never had Ray Lewis. Well, they haven't had Ray Lewis since Ray Nitschke. Probably. Yeah, uh, there you go. Um, so, so I think Ray Lewis leaves mm-hmm. because the demeanor of the defense yeah. is not in alignment. He can't pull this whole thing along with yeah. him, and he doesn't see other people yeah. coming on board with him, and he doesn't see the coaching staff loving his kind of mm-hmm. wild man style. Yeah. And he, you know, you're Ray Lewis. You can you can go where you want to go, and you've got yeah. all the, you got 31 other teams that would love to have him. Because who's the leaders on that team? You have Leroy Butler, who's kind of aging, mm-hmm. and he was still effective, but you know he's arguably the best um, secondary player in the NFL in the mid 90s, sure. and he's kind of fading towards the end for some reason. 
Uh, I don't know why. Maybe they would connect, but it seems like those are two personalities that I might not see melding that well together. But then on the flip side, who's your other leader? Sleepy Vonnie Holiday. Yeah, right. right. I can't imagine him and Ray Lewis. So, so again, just think about think about the attitudes of Vonnie Holiday and Leroy Butler. Uh, you know, good, very good players. Yeah. But mean is not a, a word you'd no. use for either one of them. I, I think, yeah. um, you know, Butler will hit you, mm-hmm. but he'll also help you up afterwards. I mean, you know, Ray Lewis will hit you, and, you know, he might call you an ambulance yeah. afterwards, but that's about it. D- uh, also, the, here's, here's kind of the sidebar. You said Ray Lewis gets tired of the Packers. Do the Packers – I assume that even if he's a Packer, he's still hanging out with his buddies in Atlanta before Super Bowl Thirty Four. Do the Packers stand by Ray Lewis if he still gets in trouble? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think. I think the the whole bad boy thing uh, really worked for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think it was part of their persona. I think they loved being that. I, I, you know, not that you ever want to to defend somebody who's accused of murder, for goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> but but that whole it adds to the mystique. And here, uh, the Packers to this day. Um, you know, look at uh, you know, look at uh, what just happened to Guyon. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're going to get cut because you were drunk in Hawaii yeah. in the off season. Yeah. What are you going to do with somebody who's accused of murder after the Super Bowl? Yeah. I, you know, I just I just don't see that the the, uh, the the team stand by like that. Way. And and we've talked about uh, in the past the kind of 70s and 80s. Look what happened to James Lofton, and right. he was acquitted. Right. Exactly. And granted, Ray Lewis was acquitted too, but James Lofton also is a put on a suit and kiss your grandma kind of guy. He's not Ray Lewis. Right, right. And they wanted him out of town. So, so, so I don't know how good a company, but think of Mossy Cade. Yeah. So, yeah. so Mossy well, Cade's a, real... a good example of, <laughs> of kind of a, a guy who had a rep and yeah. did some stuff that wasn't so good and, and he didn't last that long. No. So, in, in fairness to Ray Lewis, Mossy Cade was convicted for what he well, did. Well, okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, th- fair enough. I, I don't want to equate the two. I yeah, just, yeah. You know, initially when somebody's charged, the question is, do you go to the wall for them or don't you? Sure. And, and they didn't for James Lofton, so why would they for Ray Lewis when you just came – you've got Brett Favre. James right. Lofton is the undisputed hero of that team in that era. Am I correct mm-hmm, in that? Absolutely. And so if he gets run off when he – doesn't even serve time. He gets acquitted. People still aren't sure, but for he's never served any time for it. And neither is Ray Lewis, but you got Brett Favre, you got Leroy Butler, you potentially got Mike Holmgren, you got Ron Wolf. You have legends. You can lose one if he's a bit of a pain. They did it with Wayne Simmons. They're just we just don't like this guy around. Get him out of here. We'll and, trade him for nothing. And, and think about this. You know, think about the um, like the Jerry Jones Cowboys. You know, it, it's win at any cost. Yeah, I, I don't think you have that in Green Bay. And yeah. I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking about the community. I'm talking about yeah. the state. I'm talking about the fan base, yeah. which is you know, if we get rid of a bad guy and we lose two more games, yeah. I think we take that. I think we, oh, you know, yeah. I, I don't, you know, we're not the Raiders sure. or the old Raiders, I should yeah. say. I think the Raiders nowadays are pretty upstate. They're fine, place. yeah. Uh, but, but if you look too, is that as a community, you can say that, but it's easy to say that when you're like, now imagine they've won two Super Bowls. The games they lost in 97 were real close games that had bad defense at the end. Mm-hmm. Let's say they go 15 and one and win a second Super Bowl. They're like, why do we need this knucklehead? He was just riding the coattails of Brett Favre and Leroy Butler. They might not. Ray Lewis as Ray Lewis, the guy with the dance and one of the best ever. He might not have that reputation in Green Bay. He's like, he might have the same reputation that Gilbert Brown had. That, wow, he's an eccentric guy playing for a great team. That's interesting. So, so the question is, 
was Ray Lewis that way because the Ravens loved that and that was part of their persona and mm-hmm. so he just played into it uh, you know because if you see Ray Lewis in interviews mm-hmm. or if you see some of the volunteer work he does or the work with kids this is one squared away good sense yeah, yeah. I mean this is this is a good guy yeah so, so if you think that somebody can go one way or the other yeah. simply based on what the organization values or what they will reward mm-hmm. um you know, maybe he is a quieter guy. Maybe sure. he's not that he doesn't do the dance on the way out. Uh, but but th- then if he doesn't do that, is he as violent on the field? Yeah. And, and is he question. as reckless on the field? And yeah. does he, you know, does he take people out the way he did? Uh, or does he fall into this kind of milk toast? Well, I'm a Packer. We just don't do that. The here. slow motion raised the roof that Santana Dotson and Reggie White are doing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I want. I think you're right. I think he leaves after his first contract. If he still gets in trouble, I think the Packers get rid of him. Um, the best part of this scenario is I think that they win Super Bowl 32 with Ray Lewis I pretty so easily. Yep. Not easily. That I, I don't want to give that much disrespect to Denver, but I think they definitely win that well, game. Well, take away 70 or 75 yards of yeah. rushing by Terrell Davis. Elway go, played terrible in that game. Right, and 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 go back and see. You know, we were. Uh, we were the final drive. We were going to. They're at the thirty-yard line, right? Yeah. So, so take away seventy or eighty yards of Terrell Davis's running. Take away one touchdown. Yeah. There and you that go. final drive, instead of Brett Favre throwing it into septuple coverage and getting everybody hurt on third down, they're running to the middle of the field to kick a field goal and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, um, so I think I think we'll give you that. Like I yeah. think we'll give you that. But the idea that he would change the whole culture of the organization mm-hmm. uh, and we would become this bad boy defense no. that that I think I think deep down some of us would love to see a little bit more yeah. of but I, I don't you know I don't think Packer fans would stand for a whole lot of showboating head hunting yeah. uh name calling kind of uh kind of defense it's just not who we are and that's easy to do to change the culture of a whole team when your quarterback is Tony Banks or Trent Dilfer sure. or Elvis Gerbach not when you have the three-time MVP that that team was going to reflect I think Favre and and some of those guys but just for fun, let's say Ray Lewis has an awakening with Reggie White. Him and Leroy fit fine. They're best buddies. He's like, yeah, I'll stick with the con- – you know what? I want to watch the Super Bowl here in Green Bay and watch the Rams and Titans. I don't want to go to Atlanta <laughs> with those guys. So he has a great time. And let's say he re-ups. I think that 2003 especially, but 2001, 2002, you stick Ray Lewis on the 2003 Packers, they're the Super Bowl champions. You know, I think you're not. We've we've been so close for so long and been okay with it that you start to think about, uh, you know, one spark plug. So yeah. on, on the positive side of this, now Ray Lewis is clearly a spark plug. He doesn't have to go off the deep end. Yeah. But but he doesn't let people play at seventy five percent. You know, he doesn't. He runs people who who aren't giving it their effort. He pulls them off the field and he, yeah. and he gets rid of them. Uh, he just raises the level of the defensive intensity another 10%, and, and you've got a totally different team. And 4th and 26 oh. would have Nick Barnett on the outside or on the bench with Ray Lewis covering the middle of the field. Um, I'm going out on a limb and saying that doesn't happen. I'm thinking maybe he doesn't he doesn't go with the uh, the tight end, you know, and, and he, yeah. he actually <laughs> drops into the coverage he's supposed to. And... and Freddie Mitchell sees that Ray Lewis has the middle of the field and falls down 10 <laughs> yards past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he doesn't put on the belt. He just, uh, you know, he's just happy to be still awake. Oh, is there a more annoying, like, 
not important player in the history of the NFL than Freddie Mitchell. Maybe Kelly Campbell from the Vikings, if you remember that kick returner that just would return a kick for 15 yards and be on everyone's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Hovan, throw him in there. <laughs> Hate all those guys. Maybe because we kept giving up fourth and 26 You know, and that's stuff. the thing is when you're on the receiving end of that bad stuff, you have a tendency to remember it a long time. Yeah, I'm sure uh, somewhere on, uh, I don't know, uh, purple and gold forever, they talk about B.J. Raji this <laughs> way. <but. laughs> so do you think um, any chance that if Ray Lewis somehow survives that uh, first contract uh, impasse that we both think would be um, – you think the Sherman teams potentially win a title? So listen, I am uh, I am not a Mike Sherman fan. Yeah, at all. Uh, I think, I, I, to be honest with you, I have no idea what was going on there. It, it's almost like they they uh, they drafted Mike Sherman the same way they took John Michaels. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's oh, we we don't really know who to pick, so we're just going to take this person. We hate Ray Rhodes, but we need a coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and then to give him the GM duties Ugh. at the same time is just. It's almost unthinkable, and so two years when you told the guy who resurrected your franchise to get out of town and go coach for the Seahawks. Yeah, it's it's very confusing, and and again, so so here's something you think about: uh, Ray Lewis is not going to hang around a team that's not well run, and yeah. he's not going to hang around a team that's not well coached. Yeah, and so there's another time, period of time in there where I think he just says, "I don't like the direction this thing's going." Yeah, you know. Ray Rhodes is a defensive coach, but there's chaos going on, and and it's clearly there's inexperience playing into it. Mike Sherman comes in, and and you know I, I you know maybe he should be uh, wide receivers coach or something, but yeah. just is completely in over his head just for the coaching job. Yeah, I think Ray Lewis looks at that and says, mm-hmm. "How about we go? You know, we had a great time, got our Super Bowls. Let's go to some team that's just." On the tip, right? So, so just like coming to the pack, just yeah. right on the tip of greatness, I go there and maybe pick up a ring or two. Goes to Indy or goes to New England. Yeah, or... yeah. probably New England. Yeah, the way, the way New England does it. And they win every Super Bowl. Right. All right, well, um, definitely uh, want to hear everybody's opinion. So if you go to the Facebook page or if you leave a comment on uh, greengoldforever.podbean.com uh, where you're likely listening to this, or leave a comment, you can also leave a comment in the Podbean app. Leave us one there because these are really fun things to debate. I'm sure there's some things we missed. The, there's so many different directions you can go with this. I know you're not much of a Mike Sherman guy. Um, if you've listened to this show for a long time, I'm much more. I, I'm not a huge Sherman fan, but I tend to give him more credit than other people tend to. Okay. Um, but I guess for your sake, you're probably hopeful that the Ray Lewis either leaves or something doesn't happen because this is always the what if um, scary scenario. Any more success for Mike Sherman, and he's not fired as the GM, and then you potentially don't get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that, that's really – I love the butterfly effect that you talk about. Yeah. That's, a, that's a perfect way of thinking about it because if you if you take a uh, somebody who – I'm not going to say incompetent. I'm going to say somebody who's just in over his head, yeah. and he wins success. You, know, you have evidence that he's not the right guy, but you have success. Yeah. Uh, there's no, no way in the world that you head in that direction. Um, even one Super Bowl appearance likely get, likely gets him another year or so, and Ted Thompson's somewhere else. And well, remember that, and, and at that time, Brett Favre was kind of running the team. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, he was running uh, Mike Sherman mm-hmm. and doing what he was. So, so to say that he would not have chosen his <laughs> Brett Favre's successor is probably an understatement. <laughs> so, in bizarro green and gold forever, somewhere we're we're sitting around saying. 
Well, I, I I just wish it could be like the Mike Sherman years because, man, we had those four years with Craig Knoll, um, you know, traded up for Brian Brom. I mean, we had him for four or five years. I just – I'm dying to have a good quarterback again like uh, back in the Ray Lewis championship days. Yeah, so it's great to play what if, but, uh, you know, we're in a pretty good place. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, what I'm learning is uh, you'd be grateful what, for what you have, not always try to grab for more. So <laughs> I, I want to thank David for the question. I'm yeah, like, What a great question. I, I, you know, here we've spent 20 or 25 minutes on it. Um, I feel like I owe David a drink or something. I figure yeah. like I owe him a soda or something. Um, so, David, look for Chris for that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm we're square now, you and me, David, I think. Um, but thanks for your patience. And definitely, if you or anyone else who's listening has any other what-if topics, we exhausted a lot of the far view. And, and some of the Infante years, but um, I'm sure there's other scenarios that people can think of that uh, we can touch upon. So, all right, Chris, so that was your first what if. How, how do you feel? I, you know, that's really fun. Uh, you know, we, we know how uh, history turns out. Um, and if you move one piece, one move doesn't just change one thing. It changes an awful lot of things. And um, and I think we have this idea that if we move one piece, everything else will happen the same way. And I think from our segment, you can see that very likely would not have been the case. Yeah, I, I still would like to think that the Packers would have won a few more Super Bowls, but whatever. We'll have to get them in the future instead of the fake Exactly past. right. There we go. <laughs> I guess that. Well, speaking of the future, this Saturday we have the second preseason game uh, at the Washington Redskins, which is a weird kind of stadium where, um, I don't know if you know, a weird fact about the NFL is the the Packers and Redskins have almost no history with one another. Um, they both shared the league for something like 75 years now and have not even played 40 times. Wow. Uh, they went from 1989 through 2000 without playing each other. Holy cow. So it's just kind of a weird thing. But recently, they've seemed to got a lot of Kirk Cousins once they beat him in the playoffs, and last year, all I remember is Jamison Crowder running basically practice routes down the middle of the field, uh, tearing up the Packers. This game not as important as the others, but uh, what do you want to see out of their trip to Washington? So, so I, listen, uh, so you would have to imagine that Kirk Cousin will play a series or two, mm-hmm. and um, you really want to see something. You know, this is this one, one opportunity to see against the guy who has been carving you up like mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving turkey. And I, the last two games, I guess, I, I don't think there's any way to describe it other than that. Um, I, I want to see, because what you didn't see against Kirk Cousins was anybody close to an interception. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you weren't close to knocking it down, mm-hmm. but you weren't even close to an interception. I would love to see... Uh, two things. Number one, I want to see, I want to see a Packers cornerback in the same frame, the same TV frame <laughs> as the receiver they're throwing to. Yeah. And second of all, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't the tallest quarterback in the world, and so I've, I've always wondered why, on clear passing downs, you don't take, you know, uh, Lowry who's six four, six five, and you don't put him on the nose, and you don't have him rush two steps and then put his, you know, yeah. straight up. And, and try and knock down passes. So uh, all I know is is I want to see something different from mm-hmm. them, and then I want to see a real commitment to the run. Listen, sure. the game doesn't mean anything. Yep. Um, you have lots and lots to figure out uh, at the running back spot. Um, you don't have to – the trouble is you don't have to make cuts, so they're not yeah. going to be pressured. And so, I, you know, you always have time until you don't have time. But that running game – you know, listen, fans of this show, I, I'm here to tell you, without a running game – we know exactly how this season ends mm-hmm. with a running game. Mm-hmm. This this offense is almost unstoppable. So, um, yeah. so that's what I hope to see. Yeah, I I agree with all those things. Um, 
I wish Josh Jones could play. It probably won't if he's injured in practice on Tuesday before a Saturday game. But, um, you know, you'd love to see him try to send Jamison Crowder down the middle, you know, with him and see see what he's all about. But I'm looking forward to seeing which of the wide receivers can really begin to separate themselves. They've all had flashes. They've all had not so great moments. And it, it, the thing that's interesting for me is that Yancey played well. Jeff Janis had some kind of a bad drop and then he comes back and runs a great route for a touchdown uh, Dupree's a little banged up but Geronimo Allison is by no means a sure thing anymore on a team with this much wide receiving right, talent right. so I'd like to see some of those guys get an opportunity and like we said I hope it doesn't happen because he's a great guy but if somebody or multiple guys really flare up you wonder what happens if uh, Randall Cobb doesn't uh, get some uh, I'll strikingly um, sad news. <laughs> you know, people talk about, do you trade Brett Huntley? You know, I, I think there are teams out there that would want Randall Cobb yeah. uh, that, that really don't have that dynamic inside receiver. And then he can have 145 catches for the New England Patriots. Sure, yeah, that's exactly where Huntley is. The, the, the one thing that was interesting, and I, I'll kind of leave with this, and that is um, there's a, some real question about whether Gunter makes this team. Sure. And and so th- th- that's not the important part here. Mm-hmm. But if you wonder if the Packers will be better on pass defense this year. Imagine that our lead cornerback from last year mm-hmm. going into the playoffs may not make the team. <laughs> so are we better at that spot? I think we're monstrously, mm-hmm. unbelievably better at that spot. Certainly much more athletic. Give, him all the, give Gunter all the credit in the world. He was put in an impossible place, and he fought, and he fought, and he fought. But, you know, if he doesn't make the team, it tells you everything to know about whether we've shored up that area or not. Absolutely. And that's a team that ended up in the NFC Championship game. So just a little bit better. Right. And big things can happen. All right, Chris, thanks for coming in again uh, on the podcast. And if you want to contribute your thoughts on anything we talked about or submit some topics for future weeks, uh, you can do so by going to the Green and Gold Forever podcast Facebook page. You can also tweet them at us, at Green Gold Forever. That's the number for Chris. Uh, also, our complete archives and articles which once again i know for longtime fans it's a little bit annoying but this time every year i like to remind people that winning in the preseason has correlated strongly with winning in the regular season and so uh, i have kind of an, an amendment to that article up on the facebook page it's still true three years later as it was and also i wanted some more content without having to do a lot of work <laughs> so admittedly so you can go check that out uh, there's also some other great stuff that's greengoldforever.podbean.com uh, you can also email us if you have a longer form comment that you want to make that's at green or i'm sorry green and gold podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes leave a comment and uh, rate the show also download it on the podbean app where you can get the complete archives chris all the way back to 2012 all the way to back to there's that's an awful lot of content there and uh you know uh i want to tell you this so first of all i want to thank you again for having me back yeah absolutely that's a really cool thing and um and i actually went to that to the uh, archives to get a feel for kind of how the show went and you guys were really good. Uh, like I, you know, I, I came into this thing thinking I better really bring an A game because you guys really did a good job. Uh, what I will say for the fans is, that as much as we love coming up with all the content, we would absolutely love questions. We would mm-hmm. absolutely love to to cover topics that you bring up to us. So, uh, uh, you know, like the show, but also become part of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. What a, what a cool thing to be able to come part of the show and have your question answered right on the air. Absolutely. So uh, you do your part, and hopefully the Packers do their part on Saturday. Stay healthy. Maybe gives give us another glimpse of what might be a real special season here in 2017. Have a good week and uh, we'll catch you back next time. Take care, everyone.